Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's going on, everyone? This is Sean Evans from First We Feast Hot Ones, the hit YouTube show where we interview celebrities while eating a series of increasingly spicy chicken wings. And welcome to the first episode of our new podcast, where we're digging into the flame-licked archives of Hot Ones past and unearthing extended, uncut versions of the classic interviews from more than 115 storied guests. First up is a name that Hot Ones fans, podcast enthusiasts, and science nerds are all familiar with, astrophysicist, author, and Twitter legend Neil deGrasse Tyson. When we have a guest like Neil, it can be painstaking to whittle the interview down to the 18 to 24 minute runtime of a normal Hot Ones. What a lot of fans might not realize is that most Hot Ones interviews are about 45 minutes long, and in the case of someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson, they're well over an hour and filled front to back with gems about everything from industrial design to NFL controversies to atypical techniques for training a dog not to beg at the table, and they all don't make it into the final video. So here, we're pulling back the curtain a bit to give you more Neil, because it would be a crime to keep the full expanse of his wit and wisdom from the world any longer. Without further ado, here's the first episode of Hot Ones, the classic interviews with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? For First We Feast, I'm Sean Evans. It's Hot Ones. It's the show with hot questions and even hotter wings. And today I'm joined by your personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's the director of the Hayden Planetarium. You know him from his work on Cosmos, Star Talk, and his many books. And speaking of, you can pick up his latest, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, available in May. Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks, and thanks for the plug. Hey. I thought you would, I had to earn it, and then you plug the book. But now if you plug it in advance, I could, like, leave now. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Nobody's ever hacked our show like that, but that's true. Yeah, that's we a are kind of stuck. You got a loophole Whoa. there. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. How are you with hot food? Uh, I mean, spicy hot. Yeah, I, I can hang. We'll see if you can hang. I can hang. We'll see maybe if you maybe can not hang. with you, but I, I, can, I can hang. All right, I recognize some of these. Tabasco, of course. Everybody's got Tabasco. And this, you know, this is in restaurants, always have this. So yeah. this, that's the low end, apparently. That's the low end. We'll work our way up to Mega Death Sauce. Are you ready to get it going? Mega Death. Mega Death. That means millions of deaths. I think that's what that means. I think that's what they imply. So they should have a Giga Death and a Terra Death. Oh, right, remember megabytes? Mm-hmm. Terabytes? That's when we're cranking up the spices. Cranking up the spices. So they should stay with the... With the computer lingo, they're gonna go mega death. How many how many times do you have to die on hot sauce, though? Really, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to be, you know, you know, enhance the geek factor. It's gonna happen. All right. Well, we're gonna get geeky today. Mm -hmm. So this first one is sriracha. Mm -hmm. Sriracha's no big deal. Let's do that. Oh, it's cold. Cold hot wings. Well, cold spicy wings. So I don't have to eat the whole thing. You don't have to. You don't have to. I will probably not be eating all of what's hotter and hotter. So I'm gonna eat the whole first one. How about that? That's a great idea. Okay. That's mm -hmm. a great strategy, Neil. Mm -hmm. So in your book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, mm -hmm. you talk about how the shipping industry could save billions of dollars if they shipped in <laughs> spheres rather than remember. boxes. Because I read the book on Saturday, so it's, uh, it's still fresh <laughs> in my mind. And it has me thinking about all the other ways that we leave time and money and energy on the table by being locked in these conventions. Are there some other things that drive you nuts in everyday life because you know as a society we can just do them easier, better, smarter? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of scientific engineering solutions to problems where if you're not scientifically or engineeringly literate, you don't even know that that would simplify it. Mm -hmm. There are cases where we do that without you looking and you say, hey, this is great, and that we didn't have to fight you to get to that point in the first place. So it's, it's a little bit frustrating when you see solutions to problems that others don't, especially politicians. Can you give yeah. me an example? An example. Um, okay, let's be blunt. Okay. Okay? If you say, why are we spending money up there and not down here where we have the problems? 
when the asteroid comes, you're going to wish we had spent money up there mm -hmm. to know how to deflect the asteroid. And so we see this. I know the asteroids. I see where they are. I know how many they are. No, we got to solve these problems here on Earth. Now, some of these problems will protect a generation not yet born. Are you only thinking about yourself or the future of Earth as well? So there are many things, just the rising sea levels. There's a lot of things that we see as part of what we do professionally by applying the methods and tools of science to civilization and to our culture and to society, to the state, to the region, to your family. So uh, my kids, 20 and 16, I, they, five or so years ago, I certified them scientifically literate because whatever they become in life, they were going to be scientifically literate. No question about that. My wife has a PhD in mathematical physics. So we were ready for them. Out, out of the womb, we were ready for them. And so they, um, they'll question you if you say something that's not quite rational. They'll say, well, have you considered? They're polite about it. <laughs> they were doing this with adults from early on. But they're polite. But nonetheless, they have a certain training on how to think about life's efficiencies as the laws of physics enable, and chemistry and biology enable. And if you're not in that zone, they'll, they'll say, oh, how come you do it this way and not that way? Have you considered? So, yeah, that's, that's all. All right, are you ready to move on? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. So this next one is Tabasco. This doesn't taste as hot as this one to me. So that's that's what's interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting geeky with you today mm -hmm. because all these sauces, they're ranked and they're put on this table in terms of the Scoville scale. So it's just like a measurement of heat, but it's kind of uh, arbitrary in a way because, you know, chilies and these peppers, they all kind of hit people differently, you know? Mm. So Tabasco might so feel is, is, hotter is, than Is sriracha. it an opinion scale or is it a, are they actually measuring something in the sauce? They're actually measuring capsation per unit. So whatever. So it ends up like these units. It'd be per unit volume, I guess. Yeah. Right. So, Not per unit area, right. <laughs> or per unit. Right. So per unit volume. So how many of these these heat triggering particles are in a certain volume of the, of right. the substance? Okay. Right. But like a, a different pepper, like a different chili, like your body just might react to it differently mm -hmm. than like say mine would or like whatever. So they'll all hit you kind of differently. Some of them hit you later. Some of them are kind of like right in your face. It's all interesting. Plus they all burn twice. <laughs> they do. That's that's a, like that's a scientific two truth. days I don't later, explain day and a half later, <laughs> it burns twice. Definitely. In terms of scientific accuracy, mm -hmm. what's the best science fiction movie of all time? I'd have to say The Martian of all time. Even mm -hmm. though that just came out a year ago, two years ago, The Martian, which as, is as a book and as no, there are many scientifically accurate books. I think before The Martian, no one imagined you can invest that much science in storytelling and have it be a, a first-run movie. I, they say, we need another lawyer or a cop drama. They, they're so comfortable reaching for tropes that they know have worked before, and they were certain reaching for science would not do that for them. So somebody had to break the mold. The mold has been busted open right now. And there are a couple of Mars inaccuracies in it, but i got to give it to them because he needs it to tell the story. All the rest, and he thought about it, the, from the botany to the chemistry to the engineering to the physics to the astrophysics, it's all there. Which one's the silliest? Mars Attacks. <laughs> <laughs> there are probably others. I mean, Mars Attacks had marquee actors in it and, a, and probably a big budget. So it's unfair to criticize a B-movie from the 50s that's really just trying, like the Swamp Thing or the, you know, Title IX from another planet or whatever. These movies... They didn't have much money, and they're just trying. Right. So let them try, okay? <laughs> and there's a lizard monster because we fear lizards, uh, as you might expect, because our mammal ancestors were running underfoot of dinosaurs right. 100 million years ago. So it's got to be something in there. That, so all the old monsters were lizards. You ever notice that in the old movies? Yeah. And even on Star Trek, the Gorn. What, what was the Gorn? A lizard. Lizard. Lizard man, right? So we also don't like like bugs and insects, which is odd because you would eat bugs for very high protein if you had to survive in the wild. I did. I've, I've eaten bugs before. On purpose? Mm-hmm. For video <laughs> with Papa Roach. <laughs> um, is there an animated series or a cartoon that kind of impresses you? Is there something out there they get it right more often than not? Oh, animated. There's a lot of math in The Simpsons. And they then I would later learn that some of their writers have degrees in mathematics, not only stateside but abroad. And there's a book called the, 
published, written by Simon Singh, who it's called The Mathematics of the Simpsons. <laughs> who would have thought that's a title of anything? Right. <laughs> the Mathematics of the Simpsons. So I think it's not so much that you'd want a cartoon that's always reaching for science, because that's not necessary. But what you would want is when they do go to science, they get it right. They get it right. And for having gotten it right, they get to tell a richer story. And so I'm a fan of what Mark Twain says, first get your facts straight, then distort them at your leisure. <laughs> well said, are you ready to move on? You ready. So this next one is El Yucateco. Mm-hmm. Habanero, Chile habanero. This is like the reddest thing on the plate here. Okay. So in addition to being a connoisseur of the cosmos, I know that mm -hmm. you're also an aficionado of fine wines. Is that because you were obsessed with the science of fermentation or you just wanted a drink? You are clearly not an aficionado of fine wines if you eat like this all the time. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Wine and hot sauce, hot sauce wins every time. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I like wine. I mean, I think if you like fine food, you also will discover that you'll like wine that goes with it, especially food from a region where there's a wine that grew up around that food. And so you pair the wine with the food regionally or in terms of intensity or, or flavors it can greatly enhance your culinary experience. And I think, think about it, we have five traditional senses, you know, sight, hearing, taste, touch, and smell. Each one of these senses garners an entire fraction of society's investment in bringing pleasure to those senses. Think about it. So your sense of hearing, I want music that will satisfy me in some way, and you'll invest money in this. You'll go to concerts, you'll get, you know, the package where all the you have any music you choose at oh, any yeah, time you subscription want. Subscription deal. Spotify. Subscriptions, for example. No. Okay. Sight. You there's great works of art. There's beautiful architecture. And there's design. Look at how much we invest in things that look beautiful. There's aromatherapy. What we will invest in the smell of something, the taste of something. It is odd when you think about it that you can go home and eat a bowl of rice, some beans with it and get most of your, and maybe a salad, and that's your nutrition, and that would cost you a dollar in raw ingredients. Or you can go to a restaurant and spend hundreds of dollars on food and wine. The fact that people do that at all means you can raise the sense of culinary satisfaction to extremely high levels, and people do. So it's not only true with food, it's also true with wine. So, uh, so I like a, a, a good bottle of wine where I'm distracted by how good it is so that I lose sleep at night wondering how the winemaker accomplished that feat. <laughs> I love, is that my heart out? <laughs> I feel like that's the heart out, Chris Schoenberger. <laughs> but, uh, and one of my favorite quotes from Galileo? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Galileo, Italian. They loving them some food and some wine. Mm -hmm. 1600, around there. He says... The sun keeps the planets in their appointed paths, yet somehow finds a way to ripen a bunch of grapes as though it had nothing else in the world to do. That's my boy, Galilee. <laughs> <laughs> and what's next, you got Queen Majesty. Queen Majesty. It's black coffee in that one. It's a local sauce. What's the animal on the... On the on it's the a wolf. A wolf. What, was, what does that mean? Why? That's a... Neil, my guess is that uh, you're going to be able to better answer my questions than me answering. No, I'm just saying, I, I'm, you know what a scientist is? What's a scientist? It's a kid who formalized their curiosity into a profession because all kids are curious. So that's why, yeah. So, so I'm looking curious. at about it, and there's, a, there's an animal on it. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's a wolf. I want to know why it's a wolf. That's all. I'm sorry. No, I, I listen. I, I should, Sorry. but I'm just coming to the realization that like I should know why it's a wolf, and I should be able to answer your question. And you know what? What these are best for? What the little ones for holding toothpicks? Why is that? You ever did that? Holding toothpicks. The little ones. Yeah, the yeah, small yeah, ones. Yeah. Tabasco. Yeah, you, you, little... you empty it out and then you put toothpicks in, and then it, one toothpick comes out each time. Wow, there you go. You never did that? No. No. I gotta hang out with you more, Neil. In fact, you know how they doubled their sales? How? The... They made the hole slightly larger. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all frustrated with Tabasco? You gotta like mm -hmm. force the thing out. Okay. Now that we're all trained with a small hole, you double the size of the hole. Out of whatever they did, they made it larger. I don't know if it was a factor or two, they made it larger. Now you're doing the same thing, twice the product comes out. And you're not even thinking twice the product. Wow. And now you go through it twice as fast, they get twice your money. 
I'm on the fourth one. Is that the right one? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We good. Cruising. Mm-hmm. So these days, I'm sure you spend more time than you'd like debunking conspiracy theories. It seems like every week that there's a new celeb getting on their soapbox, giving some cockamamie theory for how the world works. What I'm hoping I can do is that you can give me kind of an idiot's guide for how to deal with these various issues so that if I'm ever at a bar and some flat earther comes up to me, I can quickly expose them and get back to my drink. Does that sound good? Okay, so what I don't do, what do you not it may do? feel this way. Mm-hmm. And I've done it once, maybe twice. But what I don't do is debunk uh, crazy ideas. I spend my whole life doing that. I'm an educator. My task is not to debunk the crazy ideas of adults, but establish an educational system that is incapable of producing an adult that thinks that way in the first place. That's, that's, that's how you should do it. That's, that's what it is. There's some failure of the educational system that we can have people who think they're educated saying Earth is flat. Saying, oh, uh, the world is not warming. I choose to not believe that. You don't have that option. Emergent scientific truths are truth whether or not you believe in it. And if you don't understand that, you have not been properly trained about what science is and how and why it works. K through 12 is this educational system, I think, we think of it as that it's like students and there's an empty head, right? And you, op- you pry it open and pour information in, stitch it back up, and we say, here's your diploma. Where are the classes on how to think about information? How to turn data into knowledge? How to turn knowledge into wisdom? How to turn wisdom into action, into policy, into legislation? This is a trajectory that requires thinking, not memorizing. And so often, even the kid in the class, where you said, oh, that's the smartest kid in class, they're the ones that got the highest grades, who memorized the best. Are they the ones who can figure something out that they've never seen before? What is the brain wiring like? Are you wired for solving a problem you've never seen before? This is all part of science literacy. So, no, I don't, if you want to say the world is flat, we live in a free country. I'm glad you won't get arrested for thinking. <laughs> but there are plenty of jobs. So when Shaq recently right. was talking about a flat earth, I'm saying, let him. Just as long as he doesn't become head of NASA or of some <laughs> agency where knowledge of around earth matters. Plenty of jobs for Shaq where he can go on thinking earth is flat. Well, let me ask you this. You know, you've been at it for a long time. Over the last 10 years or so, have you seen an increase in the number of people who maybe think these things or express these things? Has it stayed basically the same? Has it, gone, think, down? Has it I, gone down? I think those that number of people may be the same over time. They just now can write a blog <laughs> that the whole world has access to via a search engine, right? You be alone with your own view that has no correspondence to objective reality, and you type it into a Google search, and it'll find every other person like you who thinks the same way, giving you the false sense that you're actually onto something, that you have some deep insight into the world that no one else has. This is delusional. And right now, we don't have, you know, the internet landed in our laps without creating a curriculum that empowers you to know when someone online is full of shit. When someone online is misrepresenting the truth, either on purpose or because they themselves have been duped. We need tools for this, and we don't have them. And by the way, I'd say the next generation, 30 and under, half your crew here is 30 and under. You like the oldest guy in the room. How'd that happen? <laughs> for real. Okay? <laughs> um, that population, I have very high hopes for. And I don't like having hope because that's what you have when you admit, you confess that you're not in control of the variables. So that demographic, they're the ones that are the principal populations that go to Comic-Con, that are, that's the geek chic. These are the people who've only ever known life with a smartphone. And they know the smartphone is touching GPS satellites and uses technology and engineering. And even if, even if they don't understand it, they know it they, they, and they respect that fact. So they know the role of science in their lives. And even if earlier generations do not, 
they're just not old enough yet to be senators and to heads of agency and, and government and president. I give them a few years, they start running the show, I go to the Bahamas, we'll be fine. <laughs> All right, before we move on, I do have one mm -hmm. conspiracy theory that I do think you can debunk. I'm always fighting against people who think that the wings are fake, that they're not actually sauce, that they're not actually that hot. Was that a question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true, right? That Neil deGrasse Tyson, you okay. put your name so, behind So all that. of these are hot, but they're not like hotter than wings I would get on Super Sunday. I love that. I love okay. that. Are you ready to move on? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, so this is the hot So in other words, sauce. these have been wimp sauces so far. Oh! oh I went there. <laughs> I, did, I, did I do that? Did I? All right, well, I got another wimp sauce for you. This is the hot one sauce. It's actually I'll our I'll be the shows. judge of how... Oh, you have your own, your own sauce? Yeah, so you're on hot ones. Nice. And this is our sauce. <laughs> we already... We got you one? Go ahead. Oh, no, is there, is there... Do I get do I get to steal some of these at the end of the show? Yeah, we got you a bag. Yeah, okay. We got you a little gift bag. Okay, cool. You're going to take this home. But I wonder if you like it first. So it's the fifth one. It's the fifth mm -hmm. one. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit sweeter. It's a little bit... It is a little bit... It's like a pineapple. Mm -hmm. There's a pineapple blend in there, Neil. Really? Some people don't pick that up. Yeah. I said I eat fine food. I told you I, I love didn't it. I, did, didn't I tell this man? <laughs> I'm upset. We don't spend enough time lamenting inadequacies of our own language. Mm -hmm. We just stuck with it and we use it and that is, that's it. And often the language shapes how you think. So I'm still angry that we don't have a good word for highly spicy flavors other than calling it hot. When the word hot, I would rather use for temperature. That's a good point, Neil. Whereas in Spanish, they distinguish. They do? Caliente? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or picante. One is temperature hot, one is spicy hot. They got this. Not us. We don't. We're still figuring it out. Plus, we're so good at stealing other people's words. Why couldn't we do that? We should have just had that. <laughs> we could have so been there. <laughs> and none of these would have the word hot on it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just angry. <laughs> Fired up, Neil. We stole other words. I was in the south of France once. Yeah. And there was a tour of one of these, one of these mansions, Chateau. And there was a French native speaker... And we had a native French person translating the French person into English. So we're going around, he's describing the stairwell, and then it's and the carpet, and, the, and then he gets to something, and he, the, the guy says it, and the translator can't find a word to translate. And he's just, he's there, he's mute for like 30 seconds. And we said, well, what word are you looking for? Uh, so I said, tell us it in French. And he says, oh, chandelier. <laughs> so I said, we got that word. We already we took, stole that. We took that, like, <laughs> centuries ago. We got that. <laughs> but it's just funny that he was trying to translate a word that we didn't have a word for, and we just used the French. Yeah. Chandelier. Chandelier. We, think about it. There's no other word for it. Mm -mm. All right, so the next part of the show is a recurring segment called Explain That Gram, and what we do is we do a deep dive on our guest's Instagram, pull interesting pictures that need more context. Mm -hmm. You're a little inactive, so for you, we pulled up some oldies oh, but goodies oh, wait, wait, actually, on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. So, so I'm totally with you on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to try to sort of bust into the Instagram world. This is exciting. I'm a little slow, but let your audience will be the first to know that I plan to be there. But it's not going to be like anything else. I care a lot about art, and so I have a set of. I'm just going to put pretty photos on my Instagram. I like that, Neil. No, I'm, I'm not going to photograph what I'm eating, where I am, where I've been, where I'm going, because I don't care, and I don't want you to care, all right? <laughs> but if I have a pretty picture, I'm going to put it up, and it'll just be pictures. I think that sounds nice, Neil, yeah. but I also would say don't paint yourself into a corner already, Neil. You haven't even gotten your Instagram account off the, off off, the runway Yeah, i got to take yet. it off the don't, runway. Don't make a bunch and of And it was it, it had a squatter in that Instagram name, and they were posting stuff, and I didn't post any of that. Really? Yeah, but and then it got like a half a million followers, so <laughs> damn. All right, so we pulled some pictures off your Twitter, and basically all we want to do is show you the picture. You tell us the bigger story, if there's a story that, you know, it sparks whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All right, so first one. Oh, hey. <laughs> you and Buzz all. Yeah, me and Buzz. Me and Buzz were chilling. <laughs> Buzz is like 90,000 years old, and he's, <laughs> I exaggerate, but only a little. Uh, he's in great shape. As you know, he was uh, landed on the moon with Neil Armstrong. People say, well, he wasn't the first to walk on the moon. They landed on the moon in the same vessel at the same moment. Yeah. So I'm not who's first, who's second. I, and it was 10,000 scientists and engineers that got him there. Right. And $100 billion in taxpayer money. We all landed on the moon <laughs> together. That is our bootprint. Okay? That's how I look at it. But Buzz, he's, he's been at it ever since. Neil Armstrong went and became professor of aerospace engineering and... Uh, in Ohio, Buzz kept trying to get us back into space because we haven't been, we haven't left low Earth orbit since 1972. It's crazy. Every, today, with the, well, but earlier with the space shuttle and now with the space station, we're boldly going 
where hundreds have gone before. <laughs> and so it's time to go someplace new. So he's wearing a shirt there that just says, get your ass to Mars. And I couldn't help but not take a picture pointing to the word ass because he's, uh, he's good. You know, he used to be a, a pole vaulter. Uh, when he was in college. Really? So he's highly athletically fit, as were well, as so many as, as the astronauts were specimens, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. So here's a past guest that we've had the show oh. had on the show, you and Jay Farrow. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I just bumped into him on an airplane, and I said, i got to introduce myself, because I'm a fan of comedians, and they're, I think they hold the soul of civilization in the palm of their hand. We live in civilization, they observe civilization. Right. And they see the interconnections that we either take for granted or never noticed. And they make us smile at others and especially at ourselves. So I'm a huge fan of everything comedians are and represent. I try to tap as much comedic flavor into my public um, discord and my public talks. You know, I'll go in and they say, oh, do you want a lav, a a lavalier mic? I say, no, give me a handheld mic. That's what comedians do. You know what? Because then it's a prop. You can, like, knock on a door. You can knock on your head. You can change the volume. It gives you another dimension of communication. Yeah, if I was standing there behind a podium reading text, then there is no body language. There is no... Or eating wings. Or eating wings. <laughs> For example. So uh, he knew who I was, and I was flattered by that, and we, so I just took a picture. And so uh, it was fun. I, what, so my, my actual tweet was, met... NBC, SNL's Jay Farrow in flight, a reminder that comedy can give more lift than aerodynamics itself. <laughs> and then, so someone wrote, there's some very clever, some really clever people out there. Some, someone wrote in, did we just witness the discovery of a new law of physics? <laughs> did Tyson just announce this? Alert the, the, the authorities. So that's what happened there. All mm-hmm. in a meeting with Jay Farrow. Ooh. Next we have... Oh, your first in and out burger. Okay, so, you know, I'm an East Coaster, born mm-hmm. and raised in New York. And, you know, we didn't invent the fast food drive through I get that. That's a West Coast thing. I get that. But we had a little Shake Shack action yep. coming, Shake over Shack here. coming over here. Shake Shack, and I'd love me some Shake Shack. So, but I heard so much about in and out So, I thought I should try some. And this photo is my very first in and out burger. And I told them that, and they gave me an In-N-Out hat. <laughs> it's a really cheap hat, but I... But I, but I, I special. It was special. It's special. And that's the In-N-Out adjacent to LAX, which anyone who flies planes in and out of LA knows that. Now, here's something that freaked me out. Again, I'm a New Yorker. The line of cars to go through the drive through must have had about 20 cars in it. Yet, inside, there was like two people online. Hmm. And I'm saying... Something's wrong. <laughs> so I said, let's park the damn car. I'll go in and get the food. And I'll get it faster than anybody on the car. What's this? You get in the car, you don't want to leave the car. You don't even want to get out of the car to eat. Did it live up to the hype, the In-N-Out burger? It tasted like a kind of average burger to me. There was nothing wrong with it, but I, was, I wanted to you be had transported. Your, you had your bar. High. I wanted to be transported, and I was not transported. Now, here's the difference, I think, Okay. In-N-Out is a fast food joint that makes a really good burger, mm-hmm. okay? Whereas Shake Shack is a gourmet chef making a fast food mm. burger, okay? This is, for me, what that difference is. All right, so that's the laptop. Okay, five down, five to go. Five down, five to go. Ghost pepper and blueberry. So the blueberries for the wimps out there. Yeah, they got like cut. the pineapple with us. You yeah, cut it a you little. You cut bit. a little. Cut, cut it, it a little. This has some blue in it. Yeah, it's got a little blue. All right, ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> but how you doing so far? It seems like pretty good. Oh, yeah, no yeah, big deal. Got my ice. Got your ice. Oh, cool. So, I got milky or some other white liquid? It's milk. Oh, okay. It's milk. <laughs> what per- what 2%, per- 2%. 2%. Okay. Standard thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everything about the book over here, Neil. Real button-up operation. <laughs> by the way, yeah. speaking about by the book, in Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, there's a section about the density of things. So, again, one of the failures of our vocabulary is not communicating information accurately. So you say, you buy, I need some heavy cream, mm-hmm. right? You go to buy some heavy cream. You say, it was heavy, heavy, heavy. Of course, heavy cream 
floats on skim milk. Right. That's why skim milk is called skim milk, because <laughs> you skim the cream off the top. So when we think of heavy, normally you would think of density, but when applied, and density it would be, it would fall to the bottom if it was denser than milk. But in those contexts, the word heavy is referring to thickness, and thickness does not always mean heavy. Heavy cream is lighter than skim milk. Sludgy crude oil is lighter than water. Wow. That's why it floats, and that's why you have an oil slick. Otherwise, it would just sink to the bottom, and no one would know you spilled a zillion gallons of oil <laughs> because it's on the bottom, killing ground-dwelling. And you think your your lake was your it was just fine. Yeah, you can't dust those fingerprints away, huh? Right, right, exactly. Okay, next one. All okay, right. now wait, wait, we're still on. Oh, sorry. I gotta get I gotta get a question off. Oh, Neil. sure, sure, sure. Oh, yeah. So it's ten questions. I see. Yeah, yeah. A little interview topic. I wasn't Some being of them are... sensitive to that. I'm sorry. Neil, that's okay. okay. Neil, it's okay. I don't want to. So food science seems to be taken off mm -hmm, right now. Mm -hmm, it seems cool. like grandma's wisdom's getting thrown out of long the long overdue. Long overdue, yeah. right? So what I want to do now is give you some common kitchen issues, and you can tell me how you might solve those with the help of science. Does that sound good? Sure, to the extent that I can. I to mean, the I, I like cooking, but I'm, I have met food science people. They're on a whole other universe from any place I've ever even dreamt of. So, so I'll go. I'll go as far as I can, but I'm not promising. Well, okay. Let me just give you one, and you can tell me. Sure. So this is a common one, right? My leftover pizza always comes out all chewy when I reheat it in the microwave. What's <laughs> going on? <laughs> yeah, bread and microwave don't mix. Keep bread out of the freaking microwave. You didn't learn this the first day you had a microwave <laughs> oven. Do you want? <laughs> You can invent a new kind of shoe leather by t shoe leather by taking a croissant and putting it in a microwave oven for like three minutes. Okay, then put it on the bo bottom of your shoe; it'll work. Just take some time, put it in the oven. That's what you're saying. Stop putting pizza in the microwave. Right, right. And people, I I'm old enough to remember when people had to be coaxed into using a microwave. These are the people who today still say "nuke it," thinking that nukes and the microwave are the same thing. Okay, they're just microwaves that permeate every cubic centimeter of every space of our lives at all times. That's why no matter where you're standing, your cell phone will ring because microwaves are hitting it from grandma wherever she is in the world, okay? <laughs> so microwave, and the reason why, do you have uh, DirecTV or some of the, um, the people who surely do, if there's a heavy thunderstorm outside and it's raining heavily, it interferes with your signal. Why? Because water and microwaves like each other. Okay. And that's why microwave ovens work so well on food because water water itself is a common ingredient, an active ingredient in food. The microwaves heat the water, the water heats the food. Let me take you to the freezer now. I get my ice cream out and it's rock hard. It I'm, takes forever to soften. You put it, nuke it for 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you solve the problem. So I will so take my pint of haagen which of course is now 14 ounces, not 16, and yeah, don't even get me started there. <laughs> And you know what I did? Yeah, what you Because know, tuna cans, they used to be, you know, they used to be eight ounces. Mm -hmm. And then they were like seven and a half, and then seven, and then six. So I made a plot of when tuna cans would disappear altogether <laughs> as they kept making them smaller. About 190 years Yeah, yeah, I, just... I plotted that out, and I think one of my earliest tweets was that, if you go back like six years. Um, so what was I saying before we would... I was in, I was answering a question. Oh, the the ice cream. It's rock ice hard. Cream. Yeah, you put it in for uh, ten seconds, and Sounds then it's it scoopable. Up. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to waste time sitting there. And then if you if you sit there, then it'll only melt on the edges where it's touching the room temperature air. You nuke it, then the microwaves have a penetration depth, and that's where they heat the ice cream. It's not at the edge. It'll penetrate a centimeter or two. Then it heats from the inside, and then it's a smoother thing for your ice cream scoop. And then I love the, ice cream, by the way. You do? Yeah. What's your favorite flavor? Well, when I made it myself, a coconut and strawberry. You'd make a coconut strawberry mix. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just back up with me and my me and my ice cream machine. <laughs> and then I discovered Haagen Dazs. My ice cream was about ten percent better than the Haagen Dazs strawberry, and that wasn't enough better to justify continuing to make my ice cream. And now I just buy I just buy Haagen Dazs. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't worth the time. It wasn't worth that ten percent. Up ten percent was not. I'm not going there for ten percent because it's the ice and the salt and it takes time and you got to and then you scoop it and then the thing and the the turner and then you pull that out and that's dripping with ice. It's just 
Just load up the haagen Let me see if I can hit you with this one, because it's an endless topic of fascination for our viewers and our commenters, is how you stop the pain of spicy wings. You know, there are people like, why do you have water out on the table? Like, oh, blah, 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 you need this, you need that. Did you, anything go through your head before you came here to, like, prepare for it? I thought sort? about it, um, but not because I had done experiments, but just I was trying to wonder, what would happen if I had a Ricola before I came in? That sort of coats your throat if you have a sensitive throat. So I had a rec- I, have, I eat them often because I give talks and I want to s- save my throat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm a fan of uh, if you're an Indian restaurant having a good lasse, mango lasse that works every time. Plus, I love mango, and that's yogurt. So yo- and and you know this when you have yogurt cucumber dishes that go with your hot food. You look at me like you've never had that. Do you go no, to uh, the yeah, Indian I've, restaurant? No, I've had the I've had the have vindaloo. You, has, I've had the does vindaloo. He get out? Do you let him out of this room ever? No, this is the People. cave. This is the hot ones cave. But no, I have like uh, like vindaloo or whatever, and then you'll have like the yogurt to kind of chill. Yeah, out and I'm not even bit. a fan of yogurt unless you put some other fruit in it. So yeah, mango lassi in an Indian restaurant that'll get me through the meal. Easily. There you go. Mm-hmm. Is there truth to the phrase "it burns twice, it burns coming in, and it burns going out"? Do I have to answer that? For you? <laughs> Have you never taken a shit I in know your life? The, uh, I know the answer. Trust me, I know the answer to that one. Are you ready to move on? Yeah, yeah, so, okay. All right, so this one's Zombie Apocalypse. Okay, love me some Zombie Apocalypse. Good. And, Neil, you're looking great. You're feeling great. Mm-hmm. This is where we kind of crank it up a little bit. Crank it up, okay. So I would say that went up quite a few notches <laughs> from these six. Yeah. Definitely. That was quite a few notches. But... Nobody doesn't love the zombies. No. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, great label. Great bottle. That's, I forget asteroids. It's the zombie apocalypse I'm worried about. Really? Yeah. Mm. So when we have artists in here, usually we like to have them decode some of their lyrics. But now that you're here, I think it would be great if I could give you some of the most infamous science-inspired rap lyrics of all time. <clears throat> and I just wonder how they'll hit your ear as an astrophysicist. You know, maybe you'll sure. be very impressed by so them. You, you actually maybe they're totally stupid. have a crack team of researchers who dug up these lines? <laughs> yeah, me okay. and Chris. Okay. Me and Chris this morning, really uh, mm-hmm. getting, uh, getting dirty. Okay. All right. So this first one is from Kanye West. It's off Getting It In by Jadakiss. My apologies. Are you into astrology? Because I'm, I'm trying to make it to Uranus. Okay, so you want me to react to this sentence? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Uranus is Uranus until you're like eight years old. <laughs> then thereon, it's Uranus. So it's a very elementary school way to pronounce the word, especially since in the original Greek, it's spelled with an O. It's Uranus. Or onus, so not Uranus. So that's an abomination. But you give it to them until you're like graduate third grade. Yeah. And you know, and you get out of your your anal fixations, your scatological referencing. So plus astrology, they're much better references to astrology than the name of the planet Uranus. I mean, Uranus was discovered by an astronomer, by Herschel, William Herschel, in fact. And you know, he wanted to name it after this principal thunder which was King George, the George of the American Revolution fame. That's when they were around at the same time. And in fact, for a while, if you have books from the era, and the enumeration of the planets was Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and George. That was the solar system. <laughs> and I am so glad it didn't persist. But I have, I have a book, several books over that period of time that indicate this. So I would say that was not an example of an artist who is first getting their facts straight and then distorting them at their leisure. Well, let's see if they get better, right? Okay. So this next one is from Jizza. It's off Big Bang. Oh, that's going to be... that's. You like Jizza? I've had him on my radio show, Star Talk. I'm betting I will have very little to say about it. All right. Other than compliments, but go on. The universe inside is hard to fathom. It was composed in a region small as a single atom. Less than one trillionth the size of the point of a pen. Microscopic, but on a macro level within. We good. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, the opening sentence to my book is that sentence. Really? With less the poetry, but yes. It is the opening sentence. So that has enough of what is correct to justify his stepping out of what is literally true to make the rest poetically true. And so he satisfies the, the Mark Twainian edict 
first get your facts straight, then distort them at your leisure. So here is the first sentence of this book. Oh, wait, first sentence is actually, the universe is under no obligation to make sense to you. It's hard to that's, fathom. That's actually first. Okay, under the chapter, the greatest story ever told, in the beginning, nearly 14 billion years ago, all the space and all the matter and all the energy of the known universe was contained in a volume less than one trillionth the size of the period that ends the sentence. Less that is Jizza on the case. There you go. All right, I have two more for you. So Kanye West needs some science schooling. Needs some Jizza. From the Jizza. Needs some Jizza. Needs some Jizza. All right. This one's from OJ to Juice Man. It's called. It's off of I'm Getting Money. Moving in a Grand Prix, same color as Thunder. Hmm. I like that. I like that because, of course, thunder is sound, it's not light. Uh, but there are certain sensory experiences. Holding aside the people who biologically have confused sensory receptors, there are people who hear colors and see sounds. It's called synesthesia. There are people where they, they have cross wirings of the five senses and what sensory organ experiences what sensory input. Holding that aside, thunder is so striking, pun intended, that you not only hear it, you feel it if you're close enough to it. It rumbles your chest. So I have no problems with anybody saying that the thunder was experienced through more than one of their senses. Juice Man, just a little bit deeper than people give me credit. We're good. I have one more for you. Mm -hmm. This is from Immortal Technique. The song is called Dominant Species. I'm the black hole lyricist that'll take your shine away. Darkness at any time of day. I'm the technique and you're nobody. So what you trying to say? Stellar density becomes your physical alignment. 1.8 billion tons per square inch confinement. Ooh. Ooh. Let me think. Uh, 1.8 billion... Tons. That is the density of a white dwarf star, approximately. The density of what the sun will be on death. And I think he's reaching in, pulling out. He's reaching in the in the canon of astrophysics, pulling out some words and some numbers, and he's just throwing them down on his on his rhyme sheet. And I give him credit for reaching in and pulling out some references. But I don't think he understands the full context for them, which then subtracts from how deep his song actually is versus how deep he thinks it is. Neil deGrasse Tyson keeping it real. Are you ready to move on? Three left. Three left. How the can you do? How can you be hotter than zombie apocalypse? The bomb is hotter. The bomb is hotter. The bomb. Oh, this is Fat Boy. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that is the proportions of one of the two bombs dropped in the Second World War. It was called <laughs> right. Fat Boy. And I think, Fat, was Fat Boy have the plutonium? We dropped plutonium bomb and a uranium bomb. And that's basically the proportion. Go look it up. World War II, atomic bomb, you'll see that picture. And it says radioactive, that's correct. Except that's not the scariest part of the bomb. <laughs> it's that it will blow you to smithereens, it will vaporize you. Right. So it should be caution will vaporize you. Not just that it's radioactive. And it's the old radioactive sign. Really makes you want to eat it, you know? <laughs> All right, let's do this. I took two bites, bitch. That <laughs> bird, too. Did I just say that? <laughs> he's making me do... He's making me do this. Zaz is hitting you, Neil. That's pretty hot. That's hot. Your face is becoming a little redder now. By the way, I did swap these trays before we began. I don't know if you have that on camera. Yeah, we do. And, and Neil... It's smart. It's smart. But now you're seeing. Now you're seeing. You, you know, you came in here, you're a little skeptical. You're like, mm -hmm. hey, hey, how do I know that uh, we're mm -hmm. eating the same thing over here? Mm -hmm. But as you can see, not doctored. All right. So you were named the sexiest astrophysicist by People magazine. But people might not know. Wait, wait. That was 40 pounds ago, first of all. I think it still holds up. <laughs> I think it still holds 40 up. 40 pounds ago. 17 years ago. I'm just saying. But then even deeper than that... Plus, how big-headed could I possibly get when it's sexiest astrophysicist? In that same <laughs> issue of People magazine, there were other much more competitive categories. 
sexiest action star, yeah. sexiest professional athlete, sexiest news anchor. These are some competitive categories. And then there's sexiest astrophysicist. Yeah, okay, I'm there. It's Fine. you. It's you. It's you. But then, I, I don't get big-headed about it. Well, I think you have every right to. But people might not know that your roots as this scientific sex symbol are actually even a little bit deeper than that. Is it true that you were tempted to moonlight as a male exotic dancer when you were a graduate student at the it, University of Texas? Yeah, yeah, briefly. Yeah, it was brief. I was an, a performing member of a dance company on campus, and I could barely make ends meet because you don't make much money as a graduate student. And so one of my fellow dancers, male dancers, said, why don't you come down to, to the club? And I said, why? What? Well, we dance there, and you get tips and things. I said, I'll observe it. Like, I was in pretty, really good shape. I do a full split. I mean... Wrestling champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest, so a lot of the flexibility came from wrestling. But then you want the grace of dancing, so so you combine those two. I, I was, like, peaking. I mean, just, just I could take my foot and hold it over my head. So if I had to do something on the stage, I could do it. That was not the issue. So I go there, and there's a dance. They come, the guys came out. In jock straps only, but they were asbestos lined, and lighter fluid had been poured onto them, and they were ignited, and they came out dancing to Jerry Lee Lewis's Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> and in that moment, I, and I'm disappointed that not until that moment did it occur to me, maybe I should tutor math instead. <laughs> I could have easily decided that. Because, of course, I know math, and I could tutor undergraduates. This is a trivial thing. You get good money. You could choose your hours. You don't have to light your underwear on fire? N not until I saw flaming jock straps did that idea come into my head. So, yeah. that So, those are chapters long past. But you could have... But you know what you could have done is you could have changed the game because I feel like you probably could have channeled science to take your stage show to the next level, you know? Um, you know, when I was dancing, no one was asking me to write a book, okay? <laughs> so these people say, oh, why don't you go on Dancing with Stars? No, I'm done dancing. Don't you want to dance again? No! No, I, I did that! That was a thing in my life, and there it is, and you could, it, it back there, and now I, I write a book, got to do the TV, I got the thing. It's a different chapter of my life. And I think some of the greatest disappointments people encounter in life is when they had done something great earlier on. Maybe they were football quarterback champion, and they always reference that mm -hmm. for all the years that follow. Rather than creating new challenges to ascend to, commensurate with your growth in wisdom and your decline in physical <laughs> prowess. I mean, think. presumably you're still getting wiser as you get older, provided you continue to learn. So apply that. And leave your body behind, because nature's going to do that whether you want to or not. So define new chapters of your existence. I mean, that's what I do every day I'm alive. Well, speaking of new chapters and new challenges, are you ready for these Mad Dog 357? They just, are. Just, these are <laughs> getting hotter. Okay, so what's next? So what's this, this is Mad called? Dog 357. Oh, it's a 337 Magnum, I guess. And because it me it has like sort of a double meaning there because it know, measures at a uh, three hundred fifty seven thousand Scoville units, so that's how it's both. You know, they made it equal that. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> that's right. They did. If it was three fifty six, they said up at one more one thousand more, units. One more Scoville unit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three fifty seven Mad Dog. Okay. Can I tell you what I did? Yeah, once? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or should I take a bite and then tell you? Maybe you tell me first and then take. Just a bite. in case. Just in case. Yeah. Just in case. So. My sister had a dog. Anytime I visit, it was always begging at the table. Always. And, you know, this is what dogs do. They act like they've never eaten in their life. Okay? With sad eyes. And so the dog was there, and I said, I'm going to solve this once and for all. And I was eating chalupas with jalapeno peppers on them. So I said, all right, let me give it some of the ground beef. Gave the dog some of the ground beef. So I got the dog accustomed to just eating whatever I toss in her direction without having to actually try it. And then came the jalapeno slice. And it, so the dog went, and then, oh my gosh, the dog looked around like this, the tail went between the legs and darted into the other room and the dog never begged at my plate again. <laughs> Even if I so much as looked at the dog, 
she ran away from the table. She begged at other people, but that memory, one slice of jalapeno pepper. So mad dog, that's how you take care of dogs. I'm just saying. <laughs> so you have such an influential bull. I like this one. You like Mad Dog 357. I like it. I think you know you why? Like because yeah. it's heat. It's picante. Mm -hmm. Is very uniformly spread in all sensory points in my mouth. So my entire mouth is participating in this, and I respect it for that. Others, there's somehow hitting here, but not there. I don't know why. Maybe I didn't chew it evenly. I don't know. But this one is creating a, a glow. Full, a full bouquet. A full bouquet of hotness. Nicest thing anyone has ever said about Mad Dog. On record. Oh, by the way, I, I spent, when I was on the That Dance troupe that we spoke about a moment yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, That was at the University of Texas. I spent six years in Texas. So they, they hot, that's when I first encountered hot food. Mm. I, had, I had a Bronx palate. Well, you have a good uh, good foundation, and I it, think. it damn near killed me. I mean, it took years. It, it took years to even just enjoy the mildest of spiciness that everyone else was just blowing through. Mm -hmm. But I think it was it was cultivated. But I'm, I'm hanging. I think I'm hanging with you. You're hanging really well. Yeah, yeah. people are going to be very impressed with I'm, how well. I didn't well. even like breathe in the way you're breathing. You go. <sighs> That's my thing. It's kind of a trademark. But yeah, no, I got that. I got that. But I, but you didn't do that for the first four. I'm just I noticing. I didn't need to. Okay. Yeah. Right. Now it's now it's. Uh, I'm kind of enjoying it now. You are. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice glow. I, with some ice, but I'm enjoying it. I got two ice cubes left in here. It's, is there an ice cube backup team? Hey, <laughs> you, give, you give our crack staff a challenge, we will rise to that <laughs> challenge, Neil deGrasse I got, Tyson. I got two more ice cubes. I got two cubes left. We good. All right, we, good. we good. You got another question. I do, I do. So you have such an influential bullhorn, and as one of the most famous public intellectuals, I'm sure that you figure out the hard way that sometimes facts can be kind of a PR nightmare, and sometimes you can cause a little bit of a kerfuffle with some of your comments. And I have a collection of the Neil deGrasse Tyson greatest hits, and I just want to get greatest your kerfuffles, greatest kerfuffles, kerfuffles? greatest sort of. Uh, and Isn't I'm a great sure. Word? Isn't kerfuffle a great word? Kerfuffle is a great word. The it's best a great word, word ever to say on hot sauce. Kerfuffle. <laughs> Uh, because I'm sure that even sometimes these sorts of things surprise you. Like, yes. you probably don't think that there's going to be some sort of fallout or brushback all the time, and it's probably interesting when in, you in see fact, it sometimes. In fact, I use the Twitter response column, you know, the, the thread, as cues for how I teach that very same content or how I talk about it the next time I'm in public. Interesting. Yes. So, it is a, in a sense, when I tweet something and there is a reaction, that reaction is a neurosynaptic snapshot of how people are thinking about the information I give them, the words I use, whether they thought it was funny, because I try to make you smile right. if I can, and it's hugely useful to me as I go forward in the next encounter that I have with the public. How about when you downgraded Pluto? Downgraded Pluto had Pluto. it coming, just don't get me started now. <laughs> Did the fallout surprise you? Yes. it was a big fallout. It did because we didn't, in fact, downgrade Pluto. All we did was say Pluto looks more like these objects than those objects. So in our exhibitry, and we were the first out of the box to do this 17 years ago, and when we opened the new Rose Center for Earth and Space here in New York, we took Pluto away, grouped it with other icy bodies that had been discovered in the outer solar system. Pluto and they look more alike than either one of them looks like any of the other planets. That is a recipe for a new classification scheme. We didn't forcibly classify. We just grouped them there. And we put the rest of the planets together over here. The gas giants, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. The rocky small objects, Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. That's how the New York Times caught wind of this. Page one, below the fold, but page one story. Pluto not a planet? Only in New York. And that's when the hate mail started coming from third graders. Scroll, they can't, you don't know how to write anymore, right? Because there's all computers. Dear Dr. Tyson, why do you take away my favorite planet? And that's where it started. And they, who were in third grade in the year 2000, have now graduated college, I think. Did I do the math right? Yeah, third grade, eight. They're, they're adults now, mm -hmm. and they're still pissed off. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would have thought they would have, you know, maybe hormones would have redirected their energies or, 
or whatever, but apparently not. There's still a contingent out there. And then a few years ago, you credited a game-winning field goal by the Cincinnati Bengals over the Seattle Seahawks to being aided, perhaps, by the rotation of the earth. It's not a perhaps. It was So the perhaps part is, I know the rotation of the earth shifted the path of the ball a third of an inch to the right. And that ball hit the left upright and then careened in through the post. So there's no supposition about being helped by Earth's rotation. The question is whether Earth's rotation was enough of a difference to make it go in. That's all. Okay? So that's a subtle difference in what you're crediting or blaming. So I'm saying that the, the goalpost is round and the ball is round. You hit a round thing against a round thing, fractions of an inch make a difference. As any baseball player knows, trying to hit a round ball with a wooden bat, a fraction of an inch is, is the difference between a home run and a pop-out. Did the fallout surprise you? Was, oh, no, no, people, like you were... no, no, the Bengals said, yeah, God was on our side or whatever, and, and it made a lot of local news in each of the two towns, which, which I, I was impressed by that. It meant, what it meant was, if there's any kind of science that attaches to what is already a pop culture interest, people, they want it. That's kind of the challenge, too, right? Neil deGrasse Tyson, that's kind of like, that's kind of the mission, right? It's a, it's not so much a mission, it's a consequence of figuring out what works, right? I, and it's like, I, oh, if I attach it to what you already care about, the scaffold of pop culture that you walk around with every day of your life that defines pop culture. You have it with you at all times. You know who Beyonce is. You know, you know, you know certain pop culture facts. And I find a way to attach science to it. Why would you not completely embrace that? Well, I have one bone to pick with you. It's about bone. Man- you want some bones here? <laughs> it's the Manhattan Henge mm-hmm. because you popularized the Manhattan Henge. Yeah. And now every time the Manhattan Henge is a thing, there's a bunch of amateur photographers on 34th Street just out there with their completely phones, completely blocking traffic. Completely blocking traffic. Now I ask you. Yes. I ask you. So let's. What people don't know what Manhattan Henge is. So yeah, yeah. I, Tell the people. I, as a kid, when I was 15, I did research at Stonehenge with the guy who decoded it and discovered that it was an astronomical observatory, not some temple where the Druids sacrificed virgins, whatever. So I've always been intrigued that you people might want to align things with the universe. And I thought to myself, is there such a place to stand in Central Park where trees or buildings on your horizon line up with the rising and setting sun and moon, and I couldn't find a place. So I said, well, the least I could do for the city is just find the day of the year where it lines up with the street grid. Because as we know, all of Manhattan is an rectilinear grid, but rotated from true north, about 30 degrees. Sorry, rotated this way, about from true north. So I said, let me just calculate that, take a picture of it and publish it. And that's what I did. So, the, so my first picture of this was published in January 2002 in a special issue of Natural History magazine. And there it is, rising, exactly on the Manhattan grid, and it's Manhattan Henge. The buildings are the henges, and there's the sun lined with it, and it started out real slow, and now there are thousands of people blocking traffic. And I ask you, I ask you, where were you born? Evanston, Illinois. Okay, I ask you, if you had to have traffic blocked, isn't it best to be blocked by the cosmos itself, rather than by Con Ed digging a hole? That's my question to you. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a fair point. And this is only twice a year, whereas you get your traffic blocked uncountable numbers of times by uncountable numbers of other causes and effects. Let the universe have its own two damn days in the sun. <laughs> All right, are you ready to move on? We got one left. We got one left. Ooh. I'm shaking it up. You're probably wondering why. I'm wondering why. All right. Well, it's tradition around here to dab the last wing with a little extra. You don't have to if you don't want to, Neil deGrasse Tyson, but I would say this. You're holding up pretty well. Just a little just a little something for the people. You don't have to if you don't want to. That's like hardly anything. I will go wherever you want to go with this, Neil. Blair's mega, like I said, they need to up that to giga and terra. Lots okay? more deaths, yeah. This is, this, each is a factor of a thousand greater. Uh, mega death sauce. With, I can't even pronounce this, 
Oh, oh, sorry, Liquid Rage. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was like, I got that one for you. Liquid Neil. Rage. Mm-hmm. So you don't want me to try this without a dot first, and then add a dot later? I'd put the dot on. You eat it with the dot. No, here's what I do. The I'm people a scientist. seem to like it. Okay. I'm a scientist, so I would rather taste this in the same way I tasted all the others. Mm, okay. Then I say that's really hot. Let me see how hot it is straight. And then put the dot on. I like that. Okay. Then that's a proper experiment. Yeah, right. Yeah, Otherwise, I'm, I'm contaminating the data. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> You're the first person, first person in Hot Ones history to do that, but it does make sense, Neil. And 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 I would I say that's fine. I try to that's only fine. say and do extra... things that only ever make sense. Well, I don't know if taking two big bites of like the Blair's Mega Death Sauce wing makes sense, but when you put it that way, I suppose it does. Okay. So here we go. So we'll just do one regular. I guess I'll do a regular with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got the other side. I got here. the other side. Okay, that one has a, it's like a slow burn, and then it then kicks in. Mm-hmm. Careful, Neil, little. This is some slow-moving sauce. Yeah, but once sometimes it kind of tidal waves. I got you. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's generous. That's generous. I'll put a little bit more. I'll put a little bit more to. On yours? Yeah, to kind of swim with you over here. Okay, you ready? Let's do this together. Ready? Ready. Cheers. Cheers, Neil. Wing bump. Wing bump. So I think what's happening there, different from the first bite. Yeah. The liquid now has acts because liquid. The liquid rage. The liquid. The liquid is not solid. It's liquid. Mm-hmm. If I put on the liquid, so liquid is more volatile than solid. Volatile is a has a scientific meaning, meaning it uh, evaporates quickly. So now I have the liquid is going up into my olfactory cavity. And now, <clears throat> I don't have the sniffles at all. You're good. Clear your sinuses right up, Neil. Clear the sinuses. All right. So That's a good one. Now that you've That's eaten, good. I like that. You I mean, do? I, no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> I liked that in the experiment. Yeah. Great it's experiment. Definitely, definitely. So, let us rename this Giga Death. Yeah. Not Mega Death. Because it has more deaths it's than Mega. It's got more than Mega. Definitely more than Mega. So now that you've eaten 10 scorching hot chicken wings on YouTube with a bald guy, I think this is now as good a time as any to talk about how insignificant we all are in the scheme of things, you know? With the liquid rage digging into your soul right now, I do wonder, can you explain what our current suffering means in the context of a potentially infinite galaxy? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's my thing. Yeah. Um, you're asking me to explain our insignificance. However, it is the very research that alerts us of our insignificance that is itself the measure of our significance. Like the fact that we know that we're insignificant makes us significant, is that, did I get it right? It's deeper than that. We have come to define significance as I'm special I as an individual, I as an American, I as a human, I'm special and everything else isn't. Well, what's the list of things that make you special? And you list why you're different. And so that's why I'm special, because I'm different from you. Okay. There's no end of wars waged on that idea. Religions thinking they're special, cultures thinking they're special, individuals thinking they're special. Cults thinking they're special. Okay. So, what is the limit of this? Is looking out into space and finding out that you're not made of anything special. The top four ingredients in life, in your body, top four atoms are hydrogen, in order, hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, nitrogen. Those four atoms. Okay. Do you know what the top ingredients are in the universe? The top four chemically active atoms in the universe? Hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, nitrogen. I am the universe. Yes! So upon learning that you're not special because you do not contain special ingredients is the same fact that includes the the idea that while we live in this universe, the universe lives within us. We are special 
because we're the same. There it is, there it is, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And you cleared the board, you made it through the hot sauces, you did it with, look at, oh, I'm still and he's going, he's going for another bite. He's going for another direction. bite. Right, right, right. What mm -hmm. a legend. Neil, Good. this is how our game works. You know, you, you extended for more? us. I gotta do more? No, no, okay. we're done, mm -hmm. we're all done. Now is when you get to fly, Neil deGrasse Tyson, let the people know what you have going on in your life. I'm more passive than that question implies. Any day I wake up, I'd rather just stay home or go to the office or write. The 50th thing I would do in a day is show up on television on a talk show or be interviewed or give a talk. So I'm not entirely what I seem. I'd rather just stay home. But you know what happens? The universe gets under people's skin and they want to know more about it. And then I get the phone call by the gatekeepers of news of the networks that are based here in New York. They say there's an eclipse, there's a black hole, there's whatever. We need a comment. Will you come give a comment? Well, this is like the bat signal. This is like the cosmic signal. And I'm a servant of your cosmic curiosity. That's what I am. I'm not a, I'm not forced, I don't wanna force it on anyone. No, I'm gonna tell you about my latest projects because you asked me. Not because I woke up in the day saying, I wanna find everyone I possibly can to ram down their throat what my next projects are. Because otherwise, I'd just stay home. I respect that, and that's what you have to do to look in the mirror, but as a talk show host, what I have to do to look myself in the mirror is I have to make sure that I come through for the guests. So I'll do it, I'm gonna do it. The book is called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, and it really does work for people in a hurry because I slammed right through this thing in a weekend. Thanks for coming and, through, and, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And a large fraction of what I've shared with you about the universe is in that book. All right, thank you, Neil. Yeah. Thank you All right. <laughs>